And welcome back to another episode of Forgotten Eagles. I am your host, John Helsebeck, the former assistant athletic director and assistant baseball coach at Stanley Community College in Albemarle, North Carolina. You guys hang on tight. Region 10 will never be the same after this. Right, welcome back, Jacob. Man, um, so we got we had a we had a fun night on Austin Street um, with uh, a party at the at the the coach's house after the season ended. Um, one of the like I said, the funniest things I remember was was Mario. And uh, what all you remember about that night? That was a, that was a fun night. We got all the guys together um, that were still in town and and just uh, had a good time. Oh yeah, that was that was awesome. And uh, I, I want to say it was during the time of exams because that's when the conference tournament would have been so it was like early may um yeah early may because the conference tournament would have been that first week of may and you know we were all just kind of pissed off and disappointed that we didn't make it you know and a little upset with kind of how the season ended and we knew cvcc was tough but you know we still kind of took it hard and you know a bunch of us got together and went to your house um one night and we had a had a fire like you said the fire pit in the backyard and you know just sat around in some uh in some lawn chairs and drank beer around the fire and you know just talked about the season and you know kind of our highlights and some of the highs and lows that happened and uh i'm sure there was a a lot of shit talking about some of the things that lamb had us do and stuff like that well i remember too um earlier in that fall or it could have been two falls ago um, I was helping Chad move into, um, he, he had got lifters gym up and going. Um, and they were, it was kind of a spot where guys could go if they want to for, I think it was like $10 a month or $5 a month, a cheap place for guys to go lift that were on the baseball team or part of the athletic program. Um, and we helped him move some weights in. And, uh, I think we met at goals gym. Uh, I think he got kicked out of there for like steroid use or something, or, um, he actually may have beat the owner's son at a like weightlifting event or something um and she got pissed off and kicked him out of there so he's like well f it i'll start my own um could be way off of how that went down but i'm pretty sure that's it um and we were helping him move something in the back one day when they were painting and this guy um had this like really sick piece of wood um and it was like a table but like it was like obviously like just put together um like by him and um it was just whatever he was he used it to to transport the weight machine that day in the back of this truck and i was like what about doing that table he was like it was it was neon green and um or like this really crappy green i was like i was like what are you gonna do with that he said i don't know probably just sit at the shop or i was like can i have that and he was like sure um, I don't know if you remember this, but um, always been a big Burt Myers fan. Um, somewhere down the Walnut Cove lines, uh, I think we're related to some facet. But um, he's a modified driver, uh, modified race car driver, races at Bowman Gray and all over the southeast and modifieds. And um, he, he's black and orange is his colors. And we had the I, I created the the sickest black and orange and silver uh, beer pong table. Do you remember that thing? I do. I remember playing on it too. Dude, that thing was so sick. When I left, it was just so heavy to transport. I remember it took us like five or six guys to move it from outside of that little carport to inside the French doors into the living room because um, it was so heavy and awkward. But it was one of those things that that's one of the only things I've left anywhere I lived 
that I wish I still had with me to this day. Now, I'm talking it. This thing was official, man. It was like the perfect size. It was all painted, um, and it had like I mean, it was just it was so cool, man. And I remember playing on uh, playing on that that night. And I believe all you guys signed that thing too, didn't you? Yeah, we did. Every That's single all- one of us signed it. I, Sharpie or something we got yeah. out. It was a silver sharpie. Did was was Dutter around then? Was he still hanging out with us? Because he, yeah. uh, I, I figured he put on a concert for us that night too. Yeah, he definitely did. He was singing. He always. I don't think he might have still been rapping at that point before he started like singing. Yeah. Of he, you know, he couldn't figure out that he wasn't a rapper, but he definitely had a <laughs> voice for sure. <laughs> yeah, he, he did have a good voice, man. And, um, you know, there's some notes he missed for sure. But it was good. I mean, hell, man, anybody wants to sing, y'all sing it, baby. Oh, no doubt. And you told you told me something on one of the podcasts that I didn't know. I didn't know he went on The Voice or American Idol or whatever and made it yeah. pretty far. Yeah, he did. He made it to – he slept in his car for like a couple nights and stuff. And um, he made it to like the last round of auditions. Uh, before like the people you see on 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 tv and um it was we set up a thing for him myrtle beach actually um you could use some cool words uh produced an album for him um after stanley um i would say that he sung he he would sing some songs and send them to me and i would put them on the computer and we put them on a mixtape and just or on a cd and threw them out all down on the strip on in myrtle beach uh, a few nights and um then we started selling them um, we had some gigs lined up for him to do um, down at uh, one was at the boathouse, one was at I forget the name of that really cool bar um, uh, in downtown Myrtle Beach. Uh, I lived there for 10 years. I never went down there after my first four years because it turned into Murder Beach. Um, and, and I'm hard as they get, but I'm not trying to go possibly get shot. I mean, that's no. Just- you know whatever dude like i'll beat your ass but you go down there like i'm not trying to get fight, get in a fight and get shot so um stop going there but i i don't know what happened i think it was honestly um one of the times that he kind of disappeared for a little bit right before we were going to start it um but i don't know i talked to him a lot last year and then he's kind of disappeared again but um what, what else you remember about that night because we, we had quite a few people there i know i remember trey fullen was there he's gonna come on the podcast um he's doing really well in the uh real estate world um now and he's um he was an outfielder um i i know um mario was there minner was there you were there uh of course raven was there um i forget who all who else came silsby i'm sure was there um, yeah, I know Fetter was there if I was there. Fetter was there. I, I remember Fetter being there. Um, and I remember one of the coolest things. Did we did we cook out? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we, we had did. hamburgers that night. Yeah, I had that old charcoal grill out there. Um, and, and we cooked out. And it was it was just cool, man. It, it, now, some people got like a streaming plaster and made it a, a big party. Because um, I do remember a couple of people puking out front, um, and and I was like, look, y'all can y'all can y'all obviously ain't driving nowhere, so you can either clean this up now. And I brought on the water hose, or when you wake up in the morning, you can clean it up then. I ain't cleaning this up. No, and I thought we all stayed the night that night. I don't remember anybody leaving. No, I don't either. And I'm pretty sure at that time, I, or at any time, I wouldn't wouldn't have led anyone. Um, but uh, it's not like it was necessarily close to where any of us lived. Yeah, right. It was it was a good 15 minutes probably. Um, it wasn't like right around the corner. I could I could get to the Don in eight if I took that weird back road, but um, nobody wants to drive that sober pretty much. But um, you know, it was that was a fun night, man. It was one of the deals where you just you know you, you go through something like that. And I guess I feel like you're kind of bonded for life. Um, and and my wife made a good point the other night. And some of these people in Myrtle Beach and and people that um, 
you know, go after um, some of the stuff I say or whatever um, on social media, she she they'll like this. Hopefully, it kind of enlightens them a little bit. She she made a good point to me the other night, um, last night actually, that um, you know people. She, she said it this way. She said, don't take it the wrong way. She said, you, you've never had a backup plan. And I was like, you know, I haven't. Um, and, and we could get into all that later with baseball. And, and, uh, I, I'll be a guy, I will blame him on back injury. My dad will tell anybody if, if I hadn't got, if I hadn't got hurt, um, I would, I would have at least, you know, played, um, minor league baseball for sure. And once you get in, you know, never know what's going to happen. Um, but she was like, you never had a backup plan. And it's hard for you, meaning me, it's hard for me to understand guys that, that, and guys that are okay with hanging it up and guys that are okay with, um, well, I don't want to go to this Juco or this D3. Um, I'm just going to go to school. And, and that, and she's right. That is hard for me. I, I think it's that I, I love my favorite sport to watch and play. Um, even in high school and college was basketball. I'm six foot and white. Let's be real. Um, I could shoot lights out now. Um, I was taught by Pistol himself, aka Iceman, and, and I can still go out and, and, and shoot lights out today. I did it about a month ago, and that's why my knee is in the situation it's in. Um, but I'm so passionate and I care so much about the game of baseball, and I know so much about it, and I care so much about the guys. And I was never a coach, even even to this day, and I probably never will be. I'm, I'll always be a kid. Um, it's a deal where, when parents are yelling at you in the stands for messing up, or you got all these scouts watching you, or you got, I'm not a coach that's going to get mad at you, or see you as a baseball player trying to make it to the next level. I'm going to first see you as my friend, that's way younger than me that I, for the most part now I but I've been in your shoes I've experienced everything I'm not a coach that's going to forget my experiences and not be able to pass them along to you so when you strike out looking with the bases loaded in the game on the line or you give up a bomb and you're a stud that's going to go D1 you know and you give up a bomb on the mound I I feel for you like I have that connection to guys um, and for whatever reason, it may be a blessing, it may be a curse, but I still have that connection with guys. And that's my biggest thing of why I'm so vocal um, about the game of baseball and how I feel about it, because it physically hurts me for the guys that are still at St. James and having to play for that guy. It physically hurts me to watch these guys like you saw the thing I retweeted with the flashlight swing, hit the hitting thing. Um, you know, they teach your man is an absolute clown and people buy into this HLP hitting and people buy into these pull downs and people buy into all this stuff. And it physically hurts me because I love the game that much. And it physically hurt me to not be able to be your guys's coach anymore. And, and I, I obviously probably need this podcast, um, 10 years later, even more than a lot of you guys do, but I definitely needed that night with you guys, um, a lot more than you guys know, because like, I, 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 I do have, uh, I, I think my biggest problem as, as a person, and you can say it's bad or good is that, is that I, I care too much that probably a lot of times the wrong, um, expletive verbal, um, vocalization comes out. Um, because I'm so passionate about what's at hand and I want guys to understand what it is. And I know I went hard at you guys a lot during times that year. 
um, because I wanted you to understand that this may be your last chance to prove yourself. It may be your last chance. And I want to, pro- I want to say that to, you know, to, to young kids today, like you never take a day for granted, man. I went from, um, I'm not going to say being a somebody to a nobody because that's definitely not the case um, in my mind, but I went from being a guy that was looked at to be very, was going to play for a long time um, to a guy that can no longer swing the same way. He got hurt. He can no longer swing the same way. He was still decent, but he wasn't good enough. And I felt like as a coach, the passion that I could bring in that, even at, even when you, when you played for me at that young age, I was, I was 23 years old. Um, you know, even there, it was a deal where I wanted to bring something to the table for you guys to understand that I care about you and that I want, I want you to know that I've been there and I, and, and we're doing this together. Oh, absolutely. And there's a couple of things that I could say here. One, did you see who subtweeted us on that? Because I didn't even pay attention, but it was something that like just pissed me off that somebody said. I, I'm sure it was. I, I've tried to take it back. I, I, I don't, I don't respond anymore to people. Um, for the most part um, because it, it just has become um, we live in a world and especially the baseball world but it's it's everywhere in every aspect of the world where if if you, if if you're doing something I don't agree with you're stupid you're an idiot you have no clue <laughs> the wizard what are you you have no idea like okay Billy that's fine like all right Joe like whatever man because if you talk back to these guys there it's not going to get you anywhere because you're always going to be wrong they're going to be right where i i even teacher man who i know is a joke but at this point but his early stuff i saw and saw jeff fry you know talking bad about him and all that stuff well all right let's what is this thing what are they doing the guy with the rebel rack invention all right let's let's look at this rebel rack thing what is will that help guys and and i've come to the conclusion players parents you don't need nothing but a tee and a bat and a bucket of balls, boys. I'm telling you, that's all you need. And all this stuff is just is is. It, it, I hate the term because I hate old school BS terms, but it's all snake oil. It's all snake oil, and it's just uh, smoke, smoke and mirrors schemes. And it's it's just um, it, it sucks, man. But but yeah, it, anything that anything I tweet, somebody's gonna tweet something back about it for sure. Oh no doubt. And a lot of the good stuff that that you taught us when we were playing at Stanley. I continued to practice when I got to Belmont Abbey and I continue to teach to my kids that are playing for me today. Like everything about teaching us how to keep our hands inside the baseball, how to get the bat head short down through the zone and then long, you know, long through it and, and, you know, finish high and creating those line drives from gap to gap, like all that stuff. Like I still teach because gap to gap baseball is, is beautiful. It is, man. And that was always something I was told. Um, I remember my cousin told me that he was my coach, my, my junior in high school. And, and he was like, you know, I was, I was pulling the crap out of the ball and, and I was, I had hit quite a few shots to start the year off. I think I had like six or seven bombs through like 11 games, but, but I wasn't, I wasn't a good hitter. I wasn't, I wasn't hitting like I knew I could. Now my power numbers were up, but you're facing, I mean, you're a good high school hitter and you face bad high school pitching. You're probably going to win most of the time. But I was flying out to center field. I was flying out to right center field, shallow. Second basemen were catching pop-ups and stuff. And it was just a, a deal where I felt, you know, and he was like, look, you got to get back to being a gap-to-gap hitter. Since you, since, since you were born, you know, he was there when I was born. He said, since you were born and picked up a bat, you were a guy that always 
has been the most successful being a gap to gap hitter and that's short to it getting some lift up long through it and it's it's very simple but now we have flashlights at the at the ends of two pvc pipes and we're we're shining those lights off of a off of a damn black tape job on the side of a wall and people are paying big money for that and that's just crazy yeah and not to mention it, it, i watched the video before i commented on it and the back shoulder was dipping every time. And I was like, if we're teaching kids this, they're going to fly out 99% of the time. But, but, but Tut, we, we are, and I'm going to try my very best not to go on a tangent here. We are teaching that because that is essentially what this new age of what they call HLP hitting, um, high level, high level plane or something like that. HLP hitting is, is this guy found judge. Uh, Aaron Judge brought him to his basement under the pool hall he owns and hit with him. And now Aaron Judge is an absolute stud because of what he saw in these swings or something. And that's what they're teaching now. They are teaching that to our youth, and that physically hurts me. Yeah, it's just like, you know, and even, and I hate to do this on this podcast, but and I know that you and I have talked about this on the phone, but I told you, you know, back before I left and went to West Brunswick, I was coaching baseball against Ty Wigginton, who's the head coach at, you know, Lake Norman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was talking about the same thing. He was like, you know, he's like, I, I'm over here. I'm a multiple-time MLB All-Star, and I'm trying to teach these guys how to hit because he's old school like us, you know, gap to gap. And he's like, they go to these hitting coaches. So anytime I try to correct them, it's like, in one ear and out the other and i'm not sure that he still deals with that this was like his first or second year there so you know but we were having this conversation before we played him that day and he's like you know i don't know what i'm talking about hitting wise i was just a multiple time mlb all-star you know yeah you don't know you know nothing and especially that is what um um richard schneck is his name teacher man on twitter richard schneck um that's what he got up in front of the mlb whatever that convention they have those guys the scouts and everything he got up on stage after all the bullshit all year on Twitter with uh, Jeff Fry going back, excuse me, back and forth with him, um, they got up on stage and he pretty much told every major league evaluator in the room that they did not know what they were talking about and and told Jeff that um, he was a 287 hitter in the major leagues and he was dog crap. Like, dude, you own a pool. I don't care what you do for a living, but it's on the same level in my baseball mind. You own a pool hall. It's like the electrician coaching the travel ball team and thinking he knows what he's doing out there in his boots and jeans talking to a 10-year-old kid yelling at him on a travel ball day. Like, figure it out, people. It is, it's, 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 it physically hurts me. Oh, yeah. And it's different between the yelling that you're talking about, the guy like that, and the yelling that you did at us because you were passionate. You had played the game and you played it at a high level playing it at Mars Hill. And, you know, and I was thinking about this earlier, and this was the other story that I was thinking about. I was coaching this year. We were at a we were at a tournament. Like we had a bunch of a bunch of guys out with COVID, but so like most of my team is gone. I think I had four starters that weekend, and we go down to a two day team tournament. Well, when I put it on the schedule, I did not envision not having ten starters out of the lineup. Right. And so we get down there, and I got all these young kids, these freshmen and sophomores, not including the four starters that I have there. And, you know, one of my starters is there. He was the defending state champion at the time. He lost this year in the state finals by a point. Uh, craziness. I was really upset. About five minutes, I chewed out the referee after the match was over. 
um, you know, and eventually the kid had to get in between me and the ref, and he was like, Coach, let it go. Let it go. He's yeah. like, he's not going to change his mind. Let it go. If you don't stop talking, I'm going to pick you up and carry you out of here. And <laughs> as soon as he said that, because this is a big heavyweight, you know, he's 265 pounds, pretty muscular, going to play football at NC State, big kid. And he's like, if you don't stop, I'm going to pick you up and carry you out. And I was like, I'm not going to get embarrassed like that. So I turned around <laughs> and I walked away. But he, you know, so he happened to be there that weekend. He was one of the four starters I had there. This was his uh, like second match of the season because he got injured playing football. So he had missed a bunch of wrestling season this year. And so it's like his second second tournament being out. Um, and you know, so I'm sitting there, and we lost to the to a team that their only win at the entire tournament was us. We had already beat teams that beat them. I was really frustrated. So I took them out in the hallway and I flat, I didn't really chew them out. And I, you know, I just told them, I said, look, guys, I said, I can handle, I said, I hate to lose more than I love to win. I said, but I can handle losing if you're giving me 100% effort. I said, you did not give 100% effort that match. I said, we are the only team that they beat, the only one here. Yeah, only one. I was like, and that that frustrates me. That is piss poor effort. I said, I don't ever want to see it again. And then, so like, I had a couple kids that had lost, and I and I asked them as a team. I said, who doesn't? Who can? Who feels like they gave 100 percent effort in that match? Had a couple kids raise their hand, and then a couple kids, and I said, who can tell me that they didn't give 100 percent effort? Two kids raised their hand. One was a freshman. One was a sophomore. And I asked the freshman, I said, why did you not give 100% effort? Oh, I was tired. I said, well, you're a freshman. I said, but you, that's thats an excuse. I was like, that's not a reason. I said, I don't care how tired you are. You got to dig deep. You got to figure it out. So I asked the other kid, I said, so why did you not give 100% effort? Well, I didn't think that I could win. I came off the wall. My assistant coach had to throw his forearm up in front of my chest because I came, like, I came off the wall. Yeah. And I said, I took a step and I said, what did you just say? And so the assistant coach pushes me back. He's like, easy, settle down. I said, no, no, no. I said, I want to hear him say it again. What did you say? The kid mumbles under his breath. And I said, no, no, no. Say it with your chest. Say it with, it chest, with your chest. And so the kid finally says, I didn't believe I could win. So all of his teammates could, could hear him. And so then I went off on the, I went off on this this massive just 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 this massive like tirade and I said I said I do not care if you lose if you give a hundred percent the whole time I said I don't ever want to hear you say I didn't believe I could win I said we've trained you to believe that you can win we've taught you things that are going to help you win all this and all that and I said it's not so much about the winning and losing I said it's about not giving the effort I said I blew out my knee my senior year wrestled 50 some matches on a blown out knee and finished fifth in the state I do not understand giving up and all this and all that and I'm like getting so so frustrated while I'm speaking and I'm giving this speech that like I'm like literally almost in tears from anger and frustration next thing I know I look around and all these freshmen and sophomores are crying my intention was was not to get them to cry so at the very at the very end of it and I calmed down a little bit and I'm like look guys I'm not I'm not mad at you I said I'm upset with the piss poor effort that we just had 
I'm upset with it. I was like, and I do not expect you to not give 100% effort. I said, if you can't give 100% effort the whole time, I said, then then you don't you don't need to be here. This is not the sport for you. I said, there, there I said, there's no sport for you if you can't give 100% effort all the time. I said, because that's literally all I ask of you is give 100% effort, do the best that you can do. I said, everything else will take care of itself. I mean, you gave me chills there, man. I, I can't I can't think of a I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a leader. That's, that's leader type stuff right there. And, um, you know, to, to be in the situation you are to, to, you know, whether it's, and it's not about wrestling, you know, it, it's not, it's about, it is, I mean, it, the sport is, it's about wrestling, the sport of baseball, it's about the baseball games we play, but it's those life lessons right there. Maybe 10 years down the road, that kid doesn't want to get up for work and he's tired, but he's like, he remembers that he goes to work and something happens and he gets a huge promotion or, you know, he meets his wife that day or, you know, some, something happens that, that got him out of bed. And that was, that was all you, man. And that's been the whole point of, um, coaching of, uh, that I've ever done is just wanting guys to understand that, like, I care about you. And all I'm asking, like you said, is just give us 110%, man. And give us, I hate that saying, just give us, give us 100%, give us your best effort. If you fail, you fail. If you get beat, you get beat. But at least give us your best effort. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that was one of the things we talked about, I think, in the first, first episode was, you know, that was, that was just me. That was, it was ingrained in me. That was how it was. I was going to give 100% effort on every play, even playing for you playing for you guys at Stanley, playing at Belmont Abbey, wrestling at Belmont Abbey, whatever it was, even even in my life, in my, you know, in my life, I'm going to give 100% effort in everything that I do because I know that if I do that, I'm striving for perfection. I may never reach it because nobody's ever perfect, but I'm striving for it. I'm giving the best effort that I can every day. Like there were days where I didn't, you know, I, didn't, I was like, man, I, I, I don't want to go to practice. But then when I'm practicing, it's full bore the whole time. Right. Right, exactly. You have good days, you have bad days, but it's how it's it's how much work you can get done, no matter what. Um, I remember uh, just the other day, it was either yesterday or the day before. Andy Parton tweeted, um, you know, he he didn't want to go to the gym. Um, he's got a sick sick gym up there, um, Dirtbag's owner, and he's like, didn't want to go to the gym today. Didn't feel good. Just didn't want to be there. He said I started moving a little weight around, and then I started moving a little more, and then by the end of it, I'm pouring sweat, and I got a heck of a workout in without even thinking about it um you know don't don't let how you feel dictate the day oh yeah absolutely and and that's one of the things is like i always you know try to remember like this has to be this has to be your escape like 100 percent effort doing what you can take your mind off of everything else that's going on in life use this time practice time as as your escape from reality Every time I stepped between them lines, man, it felt like I was on fairy tale land, um, coaching or playing. It was beautiful. Um, Balin turned down USC to play JUCO. What what is that story? Because um, that that'll be an intriguing story to hear. Oh yeah. So my little cousin uh, Balin Sparks, he uh, he played in Florida. Uh, that's where they live. They live down there in um, in Palm Beach. And um, he went to well, he went to two different high schools, but I think he graduated from. Uh, Oh, hold on. Let me pull it up because I, I know he sent it to me. We were texting about it not too long ago. Um, we actually played down in West Palm Beach, Florida this year. Beautiful, It's beautiful down there. Yeah, it is. It's really nice. Um, I love it. 
That was so hot, though. Another hot, man. That's the only... There's one positive about B um, with the torn labrum right now. The only positive, as opposed to being in the scorching hot weather, either coaching or uh, watching him play the psychotic travel circuit um, that you do and showcase baseball at this age, um, is the fact that this summer, when I'm in scorching hot weather, I will have a beer in my hand and probably be on a cruise. So that'll be the best bet. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. So Balin starts out his, his high school career at Gardens High School in Palm Beach, and then or actually West Palm Beach, and then moves to Benjamin High School for his last three years, um, if anybody knows anything about Florida. And so he, he you know, he gets an offer to go play at uh, South Carolina. Uh, Just for baseball? Yeah, for baseball. He's okay. he he heck of a baseball player, um, and he grew up playing baseball. I actually, while I was at, while I was at was I at Stanley? I was either at Stanley or at Belmont Abbey at the time. I don't remember which, and I had gone to Cary to the USA Baseball Complex to go watch him play, because um, his team had come up from Florida and they had played in a tournament there. So I watched him play, whatever, and. Um, so, you know, and with his, you know, with all of us, you know, being in North Carolina, living in North Carolina, from North Carolina, for the most part, out of our family, you know, they would come up here, 4th of July, you know, stuff like that, come up, see everybody. And so, you know, South Carolina's right down the road from where, where we live and everything, you know, so I'm being a little, little selfish. I'm like, yeah, man, you come play at South Carolina, man, I'll be able to come see you because it's not that far away. Well, it comes down to it, and he like he turns the offer down to go play at Palm Beach State, which is the JUCO uh, in Palm Beach. And you know, I texted him, and I was like, "Why did you turn down an SEC baseball offer to go play JUCO?" I was like, "That that is crazy." I was like, "South Carolina puts puts guys into the major league; they get guys drafted," and. He's, you know, he's a catcher. He's pretty good. You know, we played the same position. Um, I taught him a little bit of stuff when he come up over the summer every once in a while. But he, you know, and he he was like, well, you know, I decided to stay closer to home. You know, I get to South Carolina. I don't know if I, how much playing time I'm going to get. They were pretty good at the time. Um, you know, they're not as good now as they were at that point. And I said, I said, well, I said, you know, staying closer to home, your parents can watch you. So, you know, that's that's always good if that's, you know, really what you're going for. And he said, yeah, pretty much. He's like, family watched me stay close to home. He said, I seem to remember you turning down Northwestern, you know, in wrestling to stay closer to home, too. And I said, well, yeah, that's true. Um, you know, didn't, didn't go to Chicago, didn't take that offer. I may not have been very good in the Big Ten anyway, as good wrestling is up there. Um, but I said, so, yeah, I, I kind of get it from that from that point of view. Well, he stays home. He catches it at Palm Beach State for a couple years, and then he gets an offer to go to Stetson. And Stetson at the time was up and coming. Mm-hmm. And I had never heard of him. And I said, Stetson? I was like, where the heck is Stetson? And I was like, why are you going to Stetson? He's like, stay closer to home, man. He's like, stay closer to home, be able to play for – a program that's up and coming we're gonna be really good he was like he, he's like you, you he's like just because you never heard of Stetson doesn't mean that you know it's just some podunk d1 program out in the middle of nowhere yeah and so I was like okay I was like we'll see well his first year there 
they make the regional and he's not he's like a backup catcher and you know he's kind of like the tenth, the first you know that 10th man the first one off the bench yeah it's great because you know that he got you know he's not an everyday starter but he starts you know he's starts every once in a while you know gets into pinch hit stuff like that so i'm watching him on you know on espn they're playing i don't even remember but they won the game that first year they went um that was before they changed the regionals to this double elimination format that they're doing now this is when they were still doing pool play yeah and um so that was his first year there and i think they went three and two or something and didn't make the super regional but they were close so then his senior year they come back and um this time they make it to the super regional and i actually get to see him start he starts at first base that year and he you know he hits good at the plate playing good at first base you know it was really cool to actually see to you know to watch him play on national television two years in a row and um he didn't end up getting drafted or anything you know he had some arm problems that was why they moved him to first base but either way you know that was that was a crazy crazy time and you know i was being a little selfish wanting him to play at south carolina so i could go see him but he ended up doing what what ended up being best for him and that's you know ultimately as a player that's what you have to do you have to do what's best for you and, you know, I love it because I'm a big JUCO advocate, especially in this day and age. I was talking to a guy um, today about his son and, and uh, a couple offers that his son had and, um, you know, some of the feedback from, from those coaches and things. And, um, you know, I'm a, big, I'm a big JUCO guy, dude. Just a simple fact of um, especially – I've always been a JUCO guy. Um, I loved it. I wish I would have actually gone to Lewisburg out of high school. Um, but I met Coach Taylor. Um, and, and that changed my life forever um, for the good, uh, for the better. Um, but um, Juco is, is incredible. And in this day and age of guys that there's, there's a kid in, in Division II um, in the Midwest. He is in his eighth year of college baseball um, with these COVID rules and the extra year rule and all this stuff. Guys playing at a four-year school you don't know what you're gonna get you just don't know and again that whatever they show you on paper as a sophomore in high school that may not be on there on signing day um and that's the business so guys need to um really and understand how this whole thing works because you guys are getting bit in the ass every day for it. Um, but you talked about him catching and stuff. Um, what what did you do uh, um, when you, you caught bullpens for us at Stanley too, but you also threw a, a, a memorable bullpen for us? <laughs> I don't know if it was memorable so much. Were, as we, that, were we that bad? No I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't know if it was memorable more so than infamous because uh, it didn't take very long before you were like yeah you're not pitching <laughs> no we I always made sure we did that we did that with um, um, Carlos Kelly uh, he came in at Stanley I really liked him actually I recruited him um, as an outfielder and, and watched him play in a couple games and I was like look we can make a couple adjustments with him not changes hitting coaches understand they're not changes um, and they don't have to hit like you did you're just making minimal adjustments to try to put the hitter in the best case scenario for him but I was like look we can make a couple adjustments with him with his barrel and his hands um, and just some timing stuff will get him get him I think he'll be able to compete 
Um, after you know playing in the fall, I think he'll be able to compete for us in the outfield. Um, I was wrong. I was severely wrong. Uh, he was god awful um, at the plate uh, all fall when he came in, and and but he could throw the ball from the outfield wall at the Don right field into the parking lot over near the power the power plant, and um, and and he had a hose. I was like, Carlos, you ever pitched? And I said. Um, and he said, he said, no, sir. I was like, let's, you know, I like doing that with guys. Like if, if you're not fitting in, I was a big Rick and kill fan at the time. He was a pitcher and then he was getting released. Uh, Cause he, he, um, he just was getting rocked in the major leagues and minor leagues. And then he was like, Hey, I can hit. And they were like, no, 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 you're, you're good. And he was like, no, seriously, just, just all I ask is just two couple guys come out, watch me hit. And then y'all let me know. Uh, he ended up winning a couple of world series with the Cardinals. Um, so I was always big into that. Like give a kid a chance. If he's got a good arm or, you know, if maybe he can hit, we'll see, um, find a place for him. And Carlos came up through a bullpen through great. Uh, he was like low nineties and, um, upper age, low nines. And, and he, uh, um, got in his first fall league scrim- fall game, uh, scrimmage game or inner squ- or scrimmage game. We played like 10 or 20 in the fall or whatever, 10 double headers. And, um, he, the, f- first outing first inning he struck a kid out got a ground out he hit a guy in the leg and the next pitch he threw was a line shot off his face um this is at the dawn um he didn't play with you right no okay this is kind of a gruesome story um so the line shot off his face the ball ends up at the backstop off his face and he goes down i'm out there you know like like a bolt of lightning and and i just kind of put my arm on his shoulder and i'm like hey and i was making sure he wasn't dead number one uh being serious like i thought the kid was dead uh, i'd never seen anything like it and he looked at me and there's blood coming off from his face and stuff he's like i'm okay i'm okay and and as he turned to look at me all i wanted to say was no you are not okay um but but we're gonna get this figured out i was like okay buddy um and i looked over and and told somebody make sure you call 911 now uh so we're gonna stay right here till um the paramedics come and we're gonna make sure that you're good um and they're probably just gonna check you out he's like i'm I'm fine i'm fine i've never seen this in my life man tut his if you look at if you look at yourself in the mirror and i got a crooked nose from i guess fights and baseball and basketball but if you look at yourself in the mirror straight on and you look at your two front teeth you look at how they line up with your bottom teeth. And, of course, everybody knows me. I'm doing my hands right now, um, talking with my hands. If you look at your bottom two teeth, that line right in the middle of them, this line was all the way over on the right side of his – no, the left side of his face. So, so he's a righty. When he had to throw, the ball hit him on the right side and shattered his right jaw and moved it all the way over to where those middle teeth were, like, in the side of the left of his face. Wow, and and he's just his tongue's all swollen. He's like, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good, man. And I'm like, I'm like, good, man. That's good. And then he started seeing the blood, and his mom started. His mom started came running out there, and she was like freaking out. And I tur- I just grabbed her. I kind of picked this little lady up from her arm. It might have been his grandma. I forget who it was, but I just kind of picked her up and turned her around and put my face like right at her uh, at her ear and said, "Look, he has no clue right now. Just he'll be fine. Just if you got to go away, go away." Or you can stay here, but whatever you do, you got to shut the hell up. And because you don't want him going into shock or freaking out, you know. And I, he was like, and he was like, how, how bad is it? How bad is it? 
And I was like, I was like, dude, you you're pro- you probably gonna have to have some stuff fixed up in your teeth. Ball got you pretty good. You'll be fine. And shout out to the ambulance people. They got there very quickly. The paramedics got there very quickly. Um, but I do know, obviously, he had extensive surgery. He'll come on and talk about that. I've already messaged him and stuff. That's gonna be awesome. Um, but I felt so bad because he would have never been put in that situation if if I hadn't said, "Hey, can you pitch?" But again, like, but he did come back in the spring and he threw in the spring and and he got some outs for us and. Um, that was good. I can't, I mean, that's, that says a lot about the person that's as tough as nails to do that. Um, so, um, you know, that I've always been like that. Hey, if you're not, you know, t- probably wasn't going to see a lot of time, um, a ton of time as a starter, you know, Hey, you want to throw a bullpen? How can we, um, how can we get you on the field? Cause I want everybody to be successful. Um, so you're saying your bullpen did not go well. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's not that I wasn't throwing strikes. That wasn't the issue. The issue was I couldn't break a pane of glass. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, you don't have to throw 105, but at some point there is a little uh, line there we have to be at. Yeah, I think you have to at least throw 70. <laughs> at least 70, poo. Yeah, and I don't even know I don't even know what the radar gun said. I never asked. Um, I just got finished with the bullpen and knew I never threw another one. Um, you know, I, I threw some weird pitches you know a couple different um arm slots for different pitches which is not good for at that level because if you're throwing one pitch from one arm slot and it's not multiple from the same arm slot people are going to start to figure you out pretty fast and uh so that was kind of kind of an issue you know and pretty much all i had was a fastball and a cutter and a palm ball anyway um you know i kind of threw a knuckle curve it wasn't that great uh you know so i had I had four pitches, but, you know, two of them were fastballs, a palm ball, and, and nobody threw palm balls anymore at that point. You know, it it just wasn't something that was thrown. People were starting to throw circle changes, and I could not throw a circle change. And I remember you worked with me that day on throwing a circle change, and I just kept spiking it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a lot of risk action involved. It's a, and it's, it's cliche to say, but it's very easy to say. It's a, it's a fill pitch. It's exactly what it is. You have to fill it. Um, differently out of your fingers you have to feel every little aspect of what your wrist is doing um, when to release um, whether it's a box or your pinky's on or off or you know letting baseball roll off and and it's just you know it's a thing um, and just a situation like that's what my wife's talking about where I see it a little differently I dive into stuff so quickly like that but um, I don't think it's a bad thing sue me you know what I mean it's fine but um, you know I just remember um, you know going through that year with you guys and and I went back after you mentioned on one of the podcasts and I looked at one of those videos again and I saw my arm around you um, talking to you that day um, doing that little like uh, simulated scrimmage game with uh, Lamb throwing BP. Um, we had some of guys hurt me and Minner got to play. Um, and that was that was fun. Um, I just come back from the Frontier League, um, you know, right right before that year. And um, and it was it was fun to get back on the field and just experience one more time, especially with you guys knowing that was going to be over. Um, but my arm around you, talking to you guys, and um, hopefully that's how you remember me. Um, I, I will always remember Todd as a guy that, um, number one, um, had all the heart in the world. Um, I looked up to you as a coach to a player because you always did everything the right way. Um, whether you were successful at it or you failed at it, you were going to figure it out. Um, and, and you got a lot of different coaching styles out there, a lot of different way guys go about it. Um, and 
and you're doing it the right way, man. Um, from everything I hear, you're, 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 you're a coach. Um, you didn't have to be, um, Babe Ruth. You don't have to be, um, Derek Jeter to be a coach. You gotta be a guy that cares, a guy that is knowledgeable, a guy that's been there. Um, and you're all three and I'm very proud of you. Man, I appreciate that. You know, kids always ask me all the time, you know, about my accomplishments and what I did, you know, and all that. And I'm like, well, that's not what we're doing here. Like, it's not about what I did. It's about what we're trying to get you to do. And, you know, so stories, most of my stories came out, you know, when I coached American Legion because it was summertime, you know, it's it's all that stuff. The kids played with me, played for me in high school, not with me, played for me in high school. They got to hear the stories at that point, you know, so – yeah, but during the season, it was always like, "Look, we're here to do a job. We're here to make you better, so that we can win. We can win ball games to get you to the next level. Whatever you want to do, um, you know, we're not here to talk about me. And so, my my what I did or did not do is, is irrelevant during this time. But in the summer, you know, when you're playing Legion and you're traveling all the time, you got those bus rides, hour and a half, two hours away to certain area games that you had to play in. You know, it, there's time times for stories and you know stuff like that and you get to tell like and everybody loves the bunt story man everybody loves it and you know sure. and I love telling it that's my favorite story yeah man guy one time I was in the box and there were two strikes on me and coach had given me the you know bunts signed twice and I had bunted one foul down the third baseline bunted one foul down the first baseline and uh, I got two strikes on me and coach gives me the bunt sign again and I called time and I like go down the third base box and I'm like did you just give me the bunt sign with two strikes and he's like coach is like yeah why because I have all the confidence in the world that you're going to get the bunt down and we're going to win this ball game there you go okay and then I went and did it and we won the ball game yeah I got thrown out at first but it didn't matter yeah that's it man I mean it's 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 all about um producing when you're called upon and um I, I could I couldn't help but not think about you the other night when when B got in, uh, we all know the story with the, the labor and stuff. And he got a chance to to get in and, and swing it before the surgery and uh, hit an absolute bomb foul, about 25 feet foul. And then um, guy on third base, and um, he's not fleet footed at, at all. He's gotten faster through the years, but um, he's a goofy 16 year old, six foot two and 185 pounds. And and guy throws the ball low and away. And next, I see the guy run down third baseline, and I'm like, hey. I know I, I didn't get nervous. I'm like, I know B's gonna get this down. Squares, boom, gets it down, and uh, beats it out with a collision at first base. Gets a base knock and an RBI. And it's just about producing for whatever your team needs at the time, your accolades and your um, scholarships and all that stuff will work out, guys. Enjoy every second on the baseball field. And in Tudoro's sake, look at this. Ten years later, he can add coming on the Forgotten Eagles podcast to one of his accolades. Yeah, absolutely, and, <laughs> and that's that's one of the cool parts about it is going back and you know sharing those memories and and it's like uh, it's like my former player said on Twitter the other day. He was like he he quoted he quoted it you know he subtweeted on where you tweeted it and he said you know it's that great podcast by you know one of my former coaches and a lot of lot of life lessons that you can learn from this and I. You know, I called him after that, talked to him for probably a solid 45 minutes. And we, you know, we talked about it and he's like, man, I learned a lot of stuff about you. I never knew. And I was like, yeah, well, when you were playing for me, you know, you were a sophomore, junior, senior, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of stories I definitely would not tell <laughs> while you're in high school for sure. Right. 
Right. And, for sure. uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, it's a lot of life lessons we talked we talked about in that first podcast, especially, and even even more so in this one and, and in some of the others. Um, well, I know, think that's the thing too. I'm so um, happy about these podcasts, man, with you and our time together. Um, obviously, we're not going to be strangers. Um, just because you're not coming on here and we're wrapping this up with you and we got to make room for other guys coming on soon. But, um, you know, I'm expecting a text, um, if not every day, every other day for sure. I want to keep up, um, stay in touch. You get down here um, and and we got some cold beers to to drink and hang out and talk about the good old days. And um, we talked about a lot with, uh, well, to to, to continue on that, um, it was a lot of great not only did Totoro bring, not only did you bring a lot of great stories of Stanley um, to the podcast, you brought a lot of things that kids in youth sports and every sport, um, every kid from the age of five to 25 need to hear. And, and, and cause a lot of people don't tell them what they need to hear these days They tell them what they want to hear. And, and these are things that you guys need to hear, man. Uh, it's not just two old guys sitting on here bashing about, now old nowadays back in my day it's facts there we are so we not not we y'all kids y'all are softer today whether you believe it or not y'all are getting trophies for something you didn't win y'all are getting publicity that i'm telling you 10 years ago most of the people wouldn't even know who the hell you were without social media um it's just simple facts um had a guy today um i don't i had a guy today tell me a story about a guy um, who got mad. Um, a high school kid got mad that his name wasn't in a preseason write-up his coach did um, for the newspaper, and he quit. Like, dude, 10 years ago, I told my wife this, and she was cracking up. 10 years ago, if I had social media 10 years ago, or when I played, so this is 15 years ago, if I had social media 15 years ago, I would be... I would have a thousand on base percentage because I would talk so much shit to the opposing team and players on there leading up to a game that they would hit me every AB. I guarantee it. But now kids use social media as a platform only to push themselves and push their agenda and think they're a recruit and think they're being scouted and they're a prospect that now we're just, we're retweeting our buddies right up. Hey man, good job. Proud of you, bro. You're a dog. Keep grinding. And then, when you don't get the write-up, now you're going to quit because you didn't get a write-up? Like, this is, you're turning soft, and I'll be the one that, to say it. I, I don't answer to anybody. I'll be the one to say it. Kids these days, and it's not good old day stories, kids these days are super soft because of social media, and they no longer compete. They only audition, and I use that as a whole. Now, I know a group of guys, I know about 55 guys in the whole state of South Carolina that I would put my name on that that son of a bitch will compete every second he's on a baseball field. That's only 55 guys out of all you guys that ever hear this. 55 of y'all out there. Anybody wants that list, I'll shoot it to you. And if you're not on it, I'm sorry. Prove, prove me wrong. Yeah, no doubt. And and that there was something that I saw, speaking of participation and stuff like that, I saw on Twitter the other day, and it was funny because it was a high school coach that tweeted this. It was like, I'm tired of hearing adults say that adults should not be giving kids participation trophies. Let the, let the, let the kids have participation trophies. And I was like, wait a second, time out. That is one of the biggest things like that's wrong with society now is everybody gets a participation trophy. Now, 
up until the fourth grade, like correct me if I'm wrong, fourth grade is about the time, fourth, fifth grade, that's Little League World Series? Yeah. Yeah. So about the time you get to fourth grade, that participation trophy stuff should go out the window because at that point you should be competing to, to win championships. Little League World Series is at that time. You know, there's other Tulsa Nationals for wrestling. For basketball, I'm sure there's some big something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean, so at that point, participation stuff should go out the out the window. Like you should be competing to win from that from that point on. Like no, no more participation trophies. Right there now, you're earning. You're either first, you're second, you're third, or you don't place. Absolutely, I mean it's it's very clear. It's very clear that, um, and 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 I don't believe that these participation trophies. My wife read me a thing. Um, she saw online today one of her um, old teammates in high school. My wife was an absolute dog, by the way, in basketball, softball, and uh, and volleyball back in her day. And she she's on board with all the stuff I say. Uh, probably not the way I say most of it, but on board with my thoughts behind it. <clears throat> um, but it said something like, you know, these participation trophies were created by parents, and it's y'all's fault. It's our fault as parents that we've created these so our little babies um, didn't cry. Um, but if, if I look back, I, I'm an old soul, dude. I, I'm a very old soul. If I'm not listening to Hardy, which is the greatest thing ever since George Strait and uh, Garth Brooks, um, if I'm not listening to Hardy these days, yes, I'm listening to old hippie music, Tom Petty, um, Rolling Stones, Grateful Dead. I'm that That's just how I grew up. Um, and it's amazing to me the fact that there's – if I'm not listening to music, I'm watching Andy Griffith show. And it's amazing to me. There's an episode where Opie is running in a track meet or like a race at school. And he gets his ass kicked. And Andy's like, dude, you got to be better. Like you got, you, you, you were slow, you know, and he works his tail off and blah, blah. And he runs his next race and he doesn't win and he still doesn't win it. And, but that's the point. So this was, in 1955 or 65 or 65 when Andy Griffith came out or whatever it was 1965 or 68 and they were talking about it then you know this is generationally changed and and it's it is a hundred percent the parents fault that I, I, I'm sorry I'm not gonna get into all this like spanking your kids and all that stuff and blah blah and the way I was raised compares the way you know Braden's raised and all that but it's a fact that we have created them to be soft. Um, I walked in out of the, went to get a beer out the fridge earlier and I come in and, and Braden and his girlfriend and my oldest daughter and Megan was in there and McKinley was in there and somehow God helped me. My oldest daughter put her feet up on the wall because Braden's girlfriend said that it was impossible and she started twerking. I slapped her on the ass pretty quick and said, get your ass off the wall. What is wrong with you? Well, she saw it on TikTok, right? So it's just it's just those little things that like they have so much access to be able to see things and and everything's okay because they did it. I mean, think about the, the those challenges, the egg crate challenge, the, the challenge where the kids were stealing shit out of schools and all that. Like, these things are just absolutely unacceptable and if you if you allow if we continue as a society to allow 
this young generation to, to be they what they are as a whole, it's only going to go downhill from there. And that's why we have, and I'll say this here, this is not the point of the podcast. You don't have to agree with me, Tut. Um, but I'll say this here because that's just the type of guy I am. This is why we have guys born with a penis that don't know if they're a boy or a girl and a girl born, born with a vagina that doesn't know if she's a boy or a girl. Yes, you do. Look down. God gave us two parts. Figure it the fuck out. At some point, I had a feeling that was going to pop up. Uh, it, it's just it, that's you can call me old school you can call me uh, uh, whatever uh, right uh, uh, conservative you can call me a what I, I'm, I'm I'm a realist is what is what I am it's not that hard to figure out what the hell gender you are now and I say that I took we took uh, Oakley had this weird little thing on her neck like really teeny I never knew it was there her mom is a G and, and saw it and was like we need to get this checked out and I'm like Dude, I can barely see that and um and everything's perfectly fine it was just like you know when she was being created um it was just like a little little spot left over as she was growing and it'll go away and um like no one could ever see it you have to pull the skin together and pinch it to see it and all that but um on the paperwork i was filling out it asked um the child's gender and it said male female um other um in a, I don't know what NA is. Like, you, I maybe don't have a gender. Uh, maybe you're an alien or something. I, I say I'm reptilian. Um, but, um, you know, I, I don't know. And then it had a spot on there that they were trans. I'm like, she's six months old. No. Nope. Nope. You can have this piece of paper back. It's just, it's, it's a crazy world, man. And I'm going off on a completely different um, Fox News CNN subject. But um, it's just... I think parents, my, my mom says it best, and I'll, I'll finish it off with this. My mom says it best. In school, they should have um, they should have an hour and a half um, every day where you have to watch an episode of Andy Griffith's show, and you have to watch an episode of In the Heat of the Night because it takes care of the softness, and it gives you family values and morals in Andy Griffith, and then it brings racism and blacks and whites together in In the Heat of the Night um, with also, hey, don't do stupid shit, you'll get arrested. Um, and, and it's just two wholesome shows that brings um, every value together. Um, and, and hell, I'm like, I'm all for it. Sign, sign us all up. Oh, and, you know, society getting soft. And I, I'll tell you this, too. It's like we have this stupid rule in North Carolina for high school wrestling that no other state in the United States has. Hey, leave that. See, I love North Carolina, but they have the dumbest laws and rules. So this is, is this is so dumb, and I was so worried about my little cousin this year because he spent most of his life getting his butt tore up by me and my brother and you know other kids. He's a pretty good wrestler. He was a freshman this year, took second in the state, had two losses on the season. One of them was in the state finals to a kid that became a three-time state champ this year, um, and then the other loss came to the kid that took second in 4A at the next weight class up. And so he, you know, his two losses were to two pretty good kids. But he is aggressive. And in North Carolina, for some reason, they do not like, they penalize kids for being aggressive. And it drives me nuts because they call unnecessary roughness. Now, to me, it's either illegal or it's not. And if it's not illegal, there's no such thing as unnecessary roughness. Because, I mean, you you went to Parkland. Parkland (laughs) had a phenomenal wrestling program. Yeah, they did. And those kids were rough. And back then, everybody was rough. If you weren't rough, if you were soft, 
you were not going to make it in that sport. And now it's like you can be soft and you can still you can still participate in that sport because there are rules to safeguard and, and like keep these kids safe and it drives me insane. Drives me up a wall. Like how can you put a rule in where something is unnecessarily rough? And I tell kids this in football, I tell them that in wrestling, this is this is a rough sport. This is a tough sport. It is, it is meant to be grueling. It is meant to be physical. It's a physical sport. And if you cannot be physical, then you need to go find something else to do. Go swim. To go, as I always say with soft-ass people, go pick up a fishing rod. Yeah. And so I just find that so stupid. We had a kid that wrestled in the state finals a couple years ago, kept getting penalized for unnecessary roughness. His junior year, he lost a match in overtime for unnecessary roughness because the other kid whined and complained because the kid was coming in with some heavy hands. And I was like, really? I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, this this kid is doing what he has been coached to do. I was like, you're penalizing a kid for, for doing what he's been coached to do. I can't help it that the other kid is soft. That's not my fault that he can't take a beating. And it's not like he's not throwing like punches. He's not coming from like eight to ten inches away and smacking the kid. Like it's nothing because to me that's illegal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's that's illegal. If you're straight punching a kid, that's that's illegal. That's a penalty point. But unnecessary roughness, there is no such thing as unnecessary roughness. I mean, what are, you, what are you supposed to do? Say, hey, man, can I put my hands right here? And then after I get them on you, can I grab you now? Or, like, is that okay with you? Like, I mean, come on. Yeah, like, if you can't be rough, this is not the sport for you. Like, oh, well, hold on. Wait, uh, ref, you know, I, I run this move this way, and it's legal. But are you going to call it illegal because the kid's going to scream? Yeah, exactly. Like, come on now. It's, it's a crazy world, man. And um, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. And, and we're going to wrap this thing up here with uh, – we're going to end it with a couple Stanley things real quick. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Um, just wanted to uh, – first off, um, what what do you remember um, real quick about how how you guys were told um, that, that the season was – this would be the last year? Um, and – did you ever talk with anyone? Were you ever called in for an interview uh, with anyone in the administration? Um, how did that go down? I was actually never called in for an interview. Um, I found out I was probably I was probably I was in a bunch of shock uh, when we were told. I just remember being told at practice that the program was done. We pretty much had to go find somewhere else to go play the next year. We had to, you know, we had to figure it out. And I remember calling my parents and talking to them about it. My parents were like, all right, good. Stanley's no longer having a program. Whatever college you choose to go to next, it's not going to be a community college. You're not going that route anymore. You're going to pick a four-year and it's going to be the last school that you're going to go to. You're not going to bounce around to another school. Right. And, and, you know, that kind of upset me because I was like, I wanted to, you know, go wherever Fetter was going to go or wherever somebody was going to go play another year. But where did where did Fetter end up going? He ended up going to Surrey after oh, right. Stanley. Right. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to go and get my associates and kind of figure it out from there. And then, you know, if baseball was my ticket, it was. If it wasn't, then it wasn't. Um, and I wasn't the guy that could just go to school. I had to be playing sports. So, but, you know, it's just lucky enough my parents told me that. And then, you know, Belmont Abbey came along and I can still wrestle and play baseball. And to me, that was huge. 
you know, being able to do both. But I, I really, I was never called in for any interviews. Sometimes I wish I was. Um, but, you know, I, I felt like maybe they just didn't feel like I was close enough to any of the action or anything that was going on. Plus nothing, nothing negative um, ever really happened to me during my year there. At least not that, I mean, like I remember thinking things. But I, I never remember, you know, unless I was complaining to Federer about something, I, I don't ever remember complaining to administration because I don't remember anything ever happening to me that would have ever led it to go that far. Right. Right. For sure. Um, and so pretty much to leave everyone that um, has as uh, hopefully you guys took notes um, while Coach Tuttero was talking Um fantastic guy fantastic uh eagle um and continues to change lives every day man again again like i said everybody's gonna be tired of me saying i'm very proud of you um going into that fall um we we had started getting some some backlash um and hearing some things that were going on um the sexual harassment thing with lamb had had happened and um, he was suspended for, I, I feel like it was a month. It might've been two weeks. It felt like forever. Um, I felt like I was ready, uh, to, to take on, um, the, the AD and head coaching job at the time. Um, the AD job is, is something I, I would hate, especially at the JUCO level, because there's so much, uh, you have to deal with, with the scholastic side. And, and I just love baseball. I'm this part of it, but, um, you know, I was always even, I feel like I was even better, uh, during that time because I was able to get out of the office from being that AD guy, uh, interim AD and interim head baseball coach and get to the field and really run the program uh, the way I felt like it could be ran to the highest uh, capacity and, and um, standard. Um, and, and I love on the side of some of those dugouts, his best is the standard. And, and that's how it's something I always held with me, coaching Stanley, like we got to be the best at everything we do. Like best is our – is our is our only standard we have and uh when i saw that i was like yes yeah, a no brainer no brainer we got to move here i love this place and um so we're we're hearing some talks i had been called into some interviews i've been called into quite a few interviews i had to write a um you're smarter than me um tut man um a uh a decree is that is it a decree when you go to court and all that or what, what is it called you have to write a, a testimony maybe i'm not sure um what it is but um so i had to write this long thing up uh seal it sign it mail it to this place this address um and i had to answer these questions and write what i knew um called into interviews and stuff and one day i know i told you this on the phone that uh, a couple weeks ago um after a podcast um men and i are going through food line and uh and out more we're going to get um get some cold ones and um, stock up on the brewskis and, and we're uh, I think it's a it was a Thursday and we saw this car and it was it was a state car and um, uh, what I thought at the time was a state car maybe I don't know but uh, it was a federal car I'm not sure but um, and we, we kept seeing this guy and uh, and we we never we he just kind of disappeared out of, out of thin air. Like literally we were putting the beer in the back of the truck and, and turn around and, and 
we're like, is this guy walking up to us or whatever? And we turn around, look, and, and this guy's disappeared. The car's gone. He's gone. And that happened like five or six more times. Um, and then I'm um, at a gas station by myself, and I see this guy, same guy. And I'm like, what in the hell is going on? I talked to uh, Raven's dad about at the time. I talked to my parents. I'm like, Yo, there's this guy like following me around. I, I swear I'm not being like crazy or nothing. Like, there's a dude always like dressed pretty slick in a clean ass black car like following me around a couple weeks go by and this is about two weeks before we find out that in fact the season is over um i i'm not sure i gotta hear, hear Menner's side of the story because it's one of those things like um you compartmentalize and try to forget some of the crate they're really crazy shit that happened um, but I know Minner had a interview with one of these guys, but I'm at food line. Uh, again, it's just like the easiest place to get groceries. I didn't want to go where I live. My house was, um, closer to that than it was to the Walmart, um, going back down into town and everything and through town to get to Walmart. So I'm at food line and, um, I got some, uh, some food and some beer in the cart and I, uh, I, walk over and park the cart over and I go take a leak and as soon as I'm coming out of the bathroom this guy like grabs me we head back into the bathroom uh, at this point I don't know what's about to happen right <laughs> and um, and and he flashes a badge and he says I got we gotta talk and I was like alright yes sir and um one of the few moments in my life I was scared. Like, I didn't know what was about to happen. Um, and um, he said, let's uh, you, you buy your stuff um, and take it back to your house. And then we'll uh, um, and meet me here. And um, at this time, and he, you know, put it in the fridge or whatever, put it in the freezer and get your stuff in your house and meet me here at this time. And don't tell anybody. I'm like, all right. And of course I like call Raven instantly and I'm like, dude, this is insane. Um, so I showed he told me who he was and all that. And, and, um, so told me what he want to talk about. And so I show up and, um, it's this place. If you go past, um, you know, you know where Tim Marburger Honda was there. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you go, if you, if you're going straight out that road and Tim Marburger's on your right, it was like another 10 or like maybe five miles. I know there was a park down there. And, and um, I went down there and I, I met with the guy and, and told him what I know. And um, it was a guy from the FBI. And it was a lot of questions um, regarding the, the, the actions um, inside of the athletic program um, and the actions at his home of Jeff Lamb. And it was one of the craziest experiences of my life. So, with that being said, what do you think about that, Totoro? I mean, I had no idea any of that was going on at the time. Um, maybe it was because I was oblivious or, you know, so young that I wasn't paying attention. And I knew that I was there to, to do two things, go to school, play baseball. I think the college in itself, um, I think a lot of the stuff, 
um, I, the the not hatred, but the the like aggravation with Stanley is that there's no longer a program. Like you didn't give me a chance. Like oh, why me, right? Um, but at the same time, I think they did a fantastic job of keeping it out of the public eye at the time. I think it's something that needs to be told now, hence the podcast. But they did a great job keeping it out of um, the public and everything. And, and as far as I know, Lamb never faced any criminal charges of anything um, regarding it. I don't know if he even knows that meeting happened. Um, I know leading into that year, a lot of players from the previous year, a lot of them, um, like like Derek Moses has said on his podcast, that he went in and talked to the administration uh, about Jeff Lamb. Um, and some of the stuff and and I know of quite a few other guys um, that did as well um, especially with some of the other things that happened some of the softball girls went in and talked about some of their interactions Um, the suspension happened Um, but I think the school did looking back the best possible job they could do um, keeping it in-house and keeping it away from the student athletes who essentially at the end of the day did get hurt by the decision that was made um but they college students didn't need that on their plate um for sure and we had a lot of players called in that probably didn't want to be called in we had a lot of players go in um that you know it it sucks for them they're having to do that at a university um but it was wild man i got like slammed up against the wall by the fbi uh, just to talk and I thought like I had done something wrong maybe like what did I do like you know and um, you know came down to a talk in the park for about two hours hour and a half um, and, and it was uh, it was an experience to say the um, but yeah dude when the FBI is involved I, I knew when I left I called Minner and Minner came over to the house and because uh, he still lived like an hour away they drove that every day in Memorial um, and and more and Minner, I think Minner and Mario came over to the house and they stayed there that night for school the next day and and um, and, and for practice. But um, I know I talked to Raven and my parents and and was like, this this is not going to end well. Um, and then two weeks later, we find out the program's canceled. Um, and of course, guys, I gotta I gotta keep you guys waiting. Um, we'll get into what exactly those questions were, um, some of them. And then um, of course, I'm not going to tell anybody when. But um, it's going to be a, a huge surprise when when the Jeff Lamb podcast is is uh, released with uh, zero uh, zero knowledge beforehand for you guys. Well, you know what the crazy part about all that is, is we were all pretty tight, you know, with the softball team and everything. And it's you know maybe it's because we were you know younger uh, adults. I'll say it that way that maybe that was just something that was an uncomfortable conversation for some of them to have. So they just never mentioned it. Right. And, you know, so it was just never, it was never heard of except for, you know, by the administration and by their ears. And then of course, all of you guys that had to be involved because you were part of the athletics program, I'm sure that probably the soccer coach probably knew and, you know, softball coach probably knew yeah yeah there was there was quite a few meetings leading up and um it was it was wild man it was it was my first taste of the real world for sure i'd always lived in my world of baseball and me and uh what i did and my friends but um and my family but it was it was my first taste of the real world that um 
there is a good old boy system. Um, everybody keep your mouth shut and move on, and we won't have any problems. Oh yeah, and there definitely is one of those, and you know you'll you'll run into them every every once in a while, and I've ran into one of those situations, you know, myself, you know, early in my career where you know you start to see that like it didn't have to, it didn't involve me, but you start to see that you know with certain places, and you know it's even funny the superintendent of Stanley County Schools at the time when I was down there helping coach at Albemarle is now the superintendent of the school system that I grew up in going to school in. Gotcha. So, you know, there was a lot of crazy stories about him and that school system. And then to, to see that, you know, that change was just kind of like, you know, it kind of, the first thing he did was kind of clear out the good old boy system that was there, but then kind of I guess, you know, institute, they institute their own in some way, shape or form, even with each new administration, they just kind of clear out the old one and then bring a new one in. Absolutely. And that's how this world works, man. It's a, um, for the kids listening, it's, um, I'm not going to say it's a bad world. Um, we can make it positive in every aspect, the way we think and the way our actions are. Hold the door for the little old lady, hold the door for the janitor, hold the door for the president, um, hold the door for anybody. I mean, just, just be a good person take care of yourself and take care of your family. Um, and, and if, if you guys ever re-listen to any podcast players, go back and listen to y'all can fast forward through when I talk. Um, that's fine, but go back and listen to everything. Coach Jacob Tuttero has said, Tuttero, you have been, um, a fantastic guest. You have, I mean, the stories are outstanding. Uh, the knowledge you dropped to parents and kids throughout this whole deal um, has been, I mean, I'm beyond thankful uh, that you were so candid with us and so open um, about things because um, in stuff like this and telling old stories, um, you know, it's, it's not lit necessarily reliving the um, let's get as drunk as Heinzman and fall down the steps um, as much as it is telling the story of um, an experience and, and this happened. And, and maybe one day down the road when, um, you know, one of the guys that listen to this podcast goes to college and there's a teammate that, that falls down the steps, they'll, they'll chuckle extra hard and say, I remember when Jacob Tuttero and Forgotten Eagle said that, uh, that same thing happened because um, I heard stories going into college and those same stories happened to me. So, um, you know, it's, um, it's, it's an amazing, um, it's amazing life. And I think one of the big things with all the scouting and all the prospects and all that stuff and all these stories is and don't 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 live it too fast. Don't grow up too fast. Enjoy your moment. Stay positive. Stay present, and and go out and just and live each day t- to the fullest for sure. Oh yeah, and definitely for all the young kids, be a whatever man. That will get you noticed at the at the next level. Yes, sir. Before anything else, be a whatever man, whatever you can do for your team to be successful. That's it, man. And um, and and to piggyback off of that, you're never too big for a team. You're never you're never too big to carry the bucket off the baseball bus. Never too too uh, big to to help out with wrestling. You're never too big to do the little extra things. And um, as as we close. I want to say one thing and you can wrap it up, man. Um, this has been your podcast. You are the absolute man tut. And, um, if, if when you guys are at home 
or if you guys are on the road, if you're in a gymnasium wrestling, if you're in a gymnasium playing basketball, if you're a girl, female playing volleyball, if you're playing tennis, if you're playing baseball, if you're playing football, I promise you, I promise you, whatever sport you play, if you're a track and field, if you're wherever, there's a trash can nearby. Pick your trash up when you're done with your activity. Put it in the trash can and leave the place cleaner than you found it. Pay attention to those little details. Be the person that puts the cart away at Walmart. Be the person that holds the door. Be the person that throws your flipping trash away and be the person that, that, that puts your cart back up after you're done at the grocery store because those little things in life say a lot when you don't think anybody's looking. Somebody's always watching you. Make sure that you're doing things the right way. Oh, absolutely. And one of the biggest things that I hate hearing from kids today, you know, when you ask them to pick their trash up and throw it away, well, that's the janitor's job. No, no, no. The janitor's job is to take the trash out of the trash can and throw it away in the dumpster. Not to pick your trash up off the floor, off your desk, and throw it away and then move the trash bag out of the trash can. No. Like, yep. this, is, this is not your own personal maid service. You pick it up, take it over, and throw it away yourself. Yep. Take care of your home. This school is your home for the next four years. Take care of it. Same thing with the college. It's your home for the next four to five years. Take care of it. Yep. I, I spent last night at um, Greenway Park. We had concession stand duty, and I um, picked up quite a few trash before I left. And um, th- my my big thing, too, is um, that's the janitor's job or or – it's that's not my trash well i i don't care you know i spent and i think i don't know if we talked about this on the podcast or not but i know dylan knows this uh, there's a picture on the wizards um on my twitter where um look back i think it's in july um i have a picture of a bathroom and there's there's paper towels everywhere everywhere and probably because Braden had just finished pitching and um he obviously wasn't going to hit that day um but and it was 150,000 degrees. Um, the air con- the the bathrooms at this place were air conditioned. Not only that, I could go as far to say that they were, this was a prestigious place. I don't care if I'm at Cary High School, if I'm at Parkland High School, or in this situation, I'm out of the 155 degrees and I'm at the USA Baseball Training Complex in Cary, North Carolina, where some of the flipping greatest baseball players in our history have ever worked at worked out out worked out of or have been to have have played there i was in the bathroom i took a leak and i just stopped and and i saw seven or eight players a couple parents walk through and they didn't they just walked over it i spent 20 minutes and obviously carrie the baseball complex, the USA baseball complex has someone to clean up the bathrooms. We all know that. Um, I spent 20 minutes cleaning it up because that is the right thing to do. Like just pick, pick up your stuff. It's not that hard. There were seven trash cans in that flipping bathroom, clean them up. I, it's mind boggling to me that there was that much trash. Those players, their parents have spent so much money. Those parents, that were there watch their kids just walk over this stuff like pick it up man just just do the right thing and even if even if you don't know if it's the right thing you know if it's the wrong thing do the right thing oh absolutely and you know i've said this before to you know it's probably been years at this point but i've said it before in my classroom i've said it to my athletes look you're not going to treat this like 
you know, I was like, you know, clean it up like your bedroom. And then I had to start saying, no, 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 no. Don't leave it like your bedroom. Leave it like it's someone else's bedroom that you've screwed up. You clean it up, make it nicer. Like, this is this is my classroom. You're going to clean it up, make it look nice if you've made a mess. You're going to, you know, I don't care if it was, then, you know, you got other classes that are like well this was left here from such and such period i don't care pick it up throw it away make it look nicer than when you found it because if you do that you will have earned respect from other people and that's what they'll talk about they'll talk about oh man we want to have this team back because you know we went in to clean our dugout after the baseball game and they they swept it out for us there was not a speck of dirt in there one of the things that i've i've mentioned to quite a few schools and they're talking about these things i said look um you every every coach is a, is a parent um and probably a dad but not necessarily uh, i'm talking about high school level um and college level um you're, you're either a dad or, or you're a dad to the 40 kids in your dugout um at least um and even if not buy one for your baseball field we we all have a a leaf blower um, that's the old school version of blower, a leaf blower at our house. You know, put that on your bus, put, use that as part of your travel equipment. And when you're done at the end of the game, you shake hands, they, everybody gets the trash up, everybody's heading to the bus. On your walk out, use that leaf blower to blow out any dirt and all the extra stuff out of there. And I guarantee, I guarantee to you that you will gain so much respect as a baseball program that you will be you will be classified as top notch. Oh, absolutely. And after our first JV game, the kids cleaned out that they did do a good job of cleaning out the dugouts. I'll give them that. But they left both bullpens. They didn't rake them up. They didn't put the tarps on them. Ah. They, yeah, they tarped the plate and the mound on the field. And so like the next day at practice, I told them I said, look. I said, Coach and I are not going to. We're not going to rake the the bullpens and cover them up anymore. That's, we, we, that's you. You put in your time doing that, man. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we told him. We, you know, we've done this before. We've we've had to do this for years. Nobody will leave the ballpark until we release you. This will be done, or we will stay here until it gets done. And your parents can can be mad all they want, but this is, you know, part of our responsibility is 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 to teach you guys to do these things how to be how to be responsible our responsibility is to teach you responsibility and i'm not saying that the parents aren't doing it and and this and that but i am saying that a lot of times people get in a rush and they don't take the time to live in the present like you were saying to live in that moment plus teaching them that hard work how to work hard to get things done like that you know make it look pretty like the kids were rushing the other day because like after the game before they put the tarp they were trying to cover me with the plate tarp i said no no no, no guys i'm still i take pride in how i fix the mound and the plate let me finish you can wait for five more seconds or ten more seconds however long it takes me to finish because like obviously the catcher rakes it and stuff and you know i i take the broom and then i spin the dirt around in a circle you know just to make it look nicer you know, a little bit after loose dirt and everything, just to make it look look great in my yeah. opinion. And you know, they're trying to cover me up with the tarp. I'm like, just relax for two seconds. Yeah, that's it, man. Just there, there there's no rush. And and I I know I'm weird. And this goes with what my wife said the other night. 
I know I'm weird, but where else do you want to be right now? You're at a flipping baseball field under the lights, and there's no game. It's just you, the grass, the dirt, and the gods of the baseball world all around you. There's nothing more magical. Oh, absolutely. And when I was at Belmont Abbey, when I needed to think and get away from the noise, I would go out and just take a walk on the field. That's it. That's a beautiful thing. That's why you're so fantastic, man. That's why I love you. I'm proud of you. I know your dad's proud of you. I know that every kid you come across in contact with is very, uh, very lucky and should be very grateful to have you as their coach. Tut, man, you are... um, you are not a forgotten eagle, man. You are for an ever, uh, an, a forever eagle, um, and I'm just I'm blown away at at how um, how grown up you are, man. And um, and I saw the picture on Facebook with the hair and the beard, and 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 it's just um, it's fantastic, dude. I'm proud of you uh, more than you know, and and I'm very thankful to have ever coached you, and thankful to have gone through um, something like this together that. Um, had just kept us close and brought us even closer together with this podcast. And, um, you're, you're definitely a guy that I will always be pulling for. I'll always be pulling for an imp. I need an imp hat or an imp t-shirt or something. Oh yeah. We can definitely make that happen for sure. I'll get you, I'll get you some Somerville gear. You switch it up, send me back some, uh, some, some, uh, some carry gear and, and we'll call it even. And then I'll buy the beer for the first two rounds. After that, it's on you because, um, my wife might take my credit card then. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame her for that. <laughs> but much love, man. I'm very proud of you. And, and thankful thankful for all the stories and thankful for all the memories. And and um, we'll get you back on with a 30 for 30. We'll have to get you on with Finks, man. We'll we'll clear the air with the, uh, the Legion shit. That'll be fun. Yeah, that will be fun. He'll probably say, oh, man, I never even saw it. Just like, oh. you know, the other day when I texted him, he'll probably say, oh, man, I never even saw it. Hey, just, just when he says that, just, look, just, just re- respond with ask. <laughs> every time right that's it man beautiful beautiful job you're doing um, beautiful podcast it's awesome um, make sure you keep listening one of your old pals will be on soon um, and and that's going to be really cool to kind of break things up with the players and we're going to get an umpire on here um, who used to date a Stanley Eagle mom if you don't know what we're talking about go back and listen to the podcast again yeah man that was a bit of news that even shocked you I think it did absolutely, and I texted him back and said she. He said he said yes, she was a great lady, and I said I never knew that. Fantastic! So um, he'll be coming on soon. Um, umpire Jamie Payne, um, along with um, a couple other interesting characters we have that are not necessarily part of the Stanley Eagles, um, but we got to do some celebrity shots for some professional baseball players that that can come on and and switch up the vibe a little bit. Um, and then we're also going to have, we're probably going to have a mom come on the podcast before her son does, and we'll see how these stories match up. It's going to be fun. You guys keep listening. Oh, absolutely. You know I won't miss an episode. Absolutely, man. I appreciate everything. Share it. Um, there's a lot of Eagles out there that still haven't been connected to the Forgotten Eagles podcast um, and, and the uh, Forgotten Eagles Facebook page. Um, you guys... Just uh, keep sharing it, letting guys know. Um, everybody knows the number. I don't hide it, whether you love me or not, 843-957-9527. If there's any ideas you guys have, um, you know, holler at us, and, and, and we'll we'll see what we can do with it. We're going to get something together soon. It's already started rolling a little bit, 
with some plans. Um, some guys want to play wiffle ball. Some guys want to play an alumni game. Some guys want to play a softball game. I say we just go cook out at the Don and drink beer. But all that's just getting taken care of and getting started in the early processes. So that'll be fun. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And, uh, you know, it's probably going on in that group text that I'm still not a part of. I love that right there. And that's that's something that um, I need to create a brand new one because we have guys every day texting and then I'll miss text and then I'll try to send guys out um, and, and individualize it. Um, at this point, we just might as well do old school and just create an email list. Yeah, no doubt. Let's do it, man. Sounds good. You're the man, Tut. Um, go do your thing this week, the rest of the week. Um, and best of luck to you, brother. Oh, yeah, appreciate it. Best of luck to you and B as well. And hopefully, uh, you know, if he's ever going to play any type of summer ball again, whether it's Legion or something in the summer, not this summer, of course, I doubt. But, you know, I'll definitely have to come down and stay and watch a couple games. Oh, absolutely, man. Hopefully, uh, hopefully next summer we'll be able to get up to uh, USA Baseball Complex again. And we'll be uh, – We'll be saying, hey, man, we're tired of staying in the hotels. We're staying with you, Tut. Hey, you know what? It wouldn't bother me at all. I got an extra room with an extra bed. That's perfect, man. I'll bring the trash bags for the beers. That's right. Later, brother. All right, later.